Yandaria Shia Handaya Kurata Shia Handaya Sikiri Yandaria Kurata Shia Handaya the Spirit of the Lord is saying this. The Lord is saying to just to encourage our hearts that great reward lies <clears throat> at the feet of those who do my will, says the Lord. And when you gather together in my presence, you are doing my highest will for you. Because my highest will is that you would spend time with me in worship and praise and listening. Just listening for the voice of the Father, says the Lord. Listen for my voice and I will instruct you and I will lead you in, in great and mighty things that you've never known before and you've never done before. And you couldn't do without my power and my leading, says the Lord. So be of good cheer, says the Lord, for I see your heart and I see your heart is toward me. And I will reward you according to what you have put before me. I will reward your requests, your prayers, your desires and your uh, attempts to uh, please me says the spirit of God and these things please me because they are my will for you says the spirit of the living God thank you Jesus praise God praise God amen 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 we'll lift you up <clears throat> we make you number one in our lives you're Lord of all, Jesus. As long as we make you Lord of our lives and we get the benefit of that Lordship, which is blessing, encouragement, the transformed life, eternal life. We thank you for it, Father. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So uh, today we're going to discuss the fact that your spirit is willing. Your spirit is willing. However, <laughs> amen. <laughs> In Matthew twenty six forty one, we see the admonishment um, to the disciples from the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> this is coming up to his hour uh, to be offered up for the sins of the world, the reconciliation of man to God. It's so important that that event happened. And it was so important for all of us that it go according to the will of God. Jesus is with the disciples and he's gone into the garden to pray. Many times Jesus um, prayed uh, by himself. But this is one time where he has some of his disciples with him. He separates himself from them uh, because prayer is done that way. It's done privately between you and God that you might focus totally on what God's saying. And that does not mean that you have to pray by yourself all the time. There are times when the privacy includes a partner or it might include a congregation. But the congregation is in a closet. So whenever you are praying, that closet aspect and that closet um, uh, flavor comes in because you have closeted yourself uh, away from distractions and away from things that you normally are paying attention to so that you can focus entirely on the conversation between yourself and God. It has more to do with your focus than your location. Um, and he says... <clears throat> This is right after uh, there was an incident in the garden uh, where um, Jesus was, uh, well, right before the incident in the garden where Jesus is arrested. 
And so he's talking to them, and I'm thinking, trying to see where I want to start. In verse 31, then Jesus said to them, All you shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the uh, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. So, and this is true to a degree even now, when uh, something happens to a pastor or a leader, people tend to scatter. They fear for their own security, and many of them run for safety, you know, to another shepherd. I think it's good if you just find out where you're being led uh, and and oftentimes in churches now there if a pastor is wise they'll start to raise up other people to take their place so that the transition is smooth and you can keep the flock together that's the most important thing is that that flock be kept together but this is going to be a change in the administration of God's kingdom so the administration now is going to be given to the church physically in the earth. The head of the church ascending upon high. So Jesus will still be the chief shepherd, but this is an interim time uh, when he has to be offered up and the flock will be scattered. He says, but after I'm risen again, I'll go before you into Galilee. So he's telling them, I'm going to be killed, but I will rise again. Peter answered and said to him, Though all men shall be offended because of you, yet I will never be offended. And be careful, number one, rebuking your authority figures. And number two, words like never, always, ever. <laughs> Especially because you have no power to do those things. You know, don't exaggerate your own power. <clears throat> And Jesus said, Ah, Peter, before the cock crows uh, uh, twice, he said, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. So as a prophet, he sees what's going to happen. His words are true. Peter said, though I should die with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, (laughs) All these until death, you know, I'll die for you people, you know. It's hard to do. Verse 36. Then comes Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. So here, I believe the burdens of the world are coming upon Jesus' shoulders. There's no reason for him to be sorrowful except that he's taking on burdens of others. And so he's beginning to intercede and be very heavy. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. In other words, I am in a position of weakness here somewhat and I need to pray until this lifts off of me. So here is a picture of a burden for intercession. It has nothing to do so much with his personal uh, comfort or anything like that. He's picking up on needs. He's picking up on he's seeing souls going to hell if he doesn't do this. He's seeing the whole picture of humanity without a savior. Lost without a savior. And so it says he went 
And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt, or not my will, but your will be done. And he comes to the disciples and finds them sleeping. You know, he's burdened and discomforted, and yet they're asleep. And this is typical of what uh, intercession looks like. The intercessor picks up the real issue. You see the real picture. You see the person uh, lost without God going to hell. Uh, I don't know if it's a cousin or a brother or sister, a family member, somebody you care about, a co-worker. And they're off doing their thing. Huh? Having a good time. <laughs> deeper in sin and deeper in sin. And you're looking at it from a perspective of eternity. And people are only looking at momentary comfort or momentary needs or momentary pleasures. It's typical. If you're a person who understands your role as intercessor, you will understand that these burdens uh, get prayed through. They get lifted and they pass and you can go on and be at peace again knowing that you've done the will of God and that it's been presented to the throne of God and that there will be a good outcome for that individual. And so that's the place Jesus needs to get to. He needs to get past the burden, past the heaviness, past the experience of feeling the weight of the sins of the world on his shoulder. So in intercession, whenever you're standing in the gap, first of all, that need has to be perceived. And so Jesus here picks up the burden on his soul for the sins of the people. That has to be done in order that our souls be saved. You got me? He's carrying. When when the Bible says he bore our griefs, our sorrows, carried our sins away from us. This is part of it. That sin gets put on his soul now. And so he has to intercede and talk to the father about how this is going to be resolved. And so he starts to experience that. And as he goes through it and he continues to talk to the father about it, he wants this cup to pass. In other words, I want this burden lifted from me. Nevertheless, I know I have to carry it until its final resolution. And that's your will, not mine. You got it? And so as Jesus perceives the weight of the burden of sin of the world. See, you only feel your sin. You do bad. You feel guilty. You feel remorse. You you get an awareness of righteousness and purity. And then you compare that with something maybe that you've thought or you've done that's been wrong. And some of us feel so bad we can barely tolerate you understand what I'm saying? There's a weight there. There's a the the scales are imbalanced. There's a purity and a righteousness that's up here, and here's what you've done down here. And so you want to get it back up again because that's an uncomfortable feeling for any human being. Many people find a way to shake guilt off or they find a way to uh, numb themselves to it. You see all kinds of people taking pills. I mean legal pills to me are not much different than illegal pills. 
one you do it because you you're under some therapy and they say it's okay for you to take them because we're making progress in therapy you know and so but then some others are are not legal because you're self-medicating you don't want the the therapy you know we skip that I'm not going to do it anyway. I just want to feel better for a moment. All of these things that we do to ease the human soul and the human conscience are only momentary anyway. You can make excuses for your bad behavior and say it's because of this, that, and that. And it may live for a little bit, but then it'll come back again. Because there's no resolution. That Where did that go? It didn't go anywhere. It was just hidden from you by weak words or words you think are strong. And so when we find ourselves in that situation, we need a savior, folks. We need somebody to take that, pay the price to have that lifted and gone. Instead of having it bouncing around forever. You know, these things will be on your soul off and on forever. They'll creep up and cause you to do things in relationships that aren't good. And you wonder, well, I thought I was over this. I'm shocked I did this again. It never went anywhere. And so this is what Jesus came to take away from us so that we could have liberty. We could have freedom. We could have the freedom to serve God and 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 uh, have a conscience purged from dead works. Purged. That means washed clean everything flushed out instead of pushed down in the background somewhere by an excuse to pop up later again so he and so and then you can serve God freely you know if you if it's never purged you serve him as an eye servant you're waiting for the other shoe to drop you're just waiting to be exposed and waiting to be found out and so Jesus died to take us beyond that place to live in the type of place he lived in with the father where there was perfect joy there was peace there was nothing separating the two anymore and that's part of what he's praying through here he knows there will be a separation from the father and that's part of what uh, he's not not really willing to to face is that he's he will be separated from the father as this burden of sin gets gets more burdensome then the verse 40 says he comes to the disciples and finding them asleep and he said to peter he said what could you not watch with me one hour and he says watch and pray that you not enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak and this would be a a guide to the early church watching and praying it should be a guide to the church period watching and praying what does he mean when he says watch watch meaning your natural ability to gain information to fact find as far as what the enemy activities are you have to be attuned by your spirit into the natural realm in which you live so that you understand and get validation on the things that you pray about this praying that people do where they find out all these you know visions and things that they see uh, is is to me a lot of it a waste of time 
because most of your burden to pray will come from what you see in the news what your kids tell you when they come home from school what you observe uh, with people in the world in general we are never at a lack for information for how to guide our prayers you got me it's everywhere it's so everywhere it can get overwhelming if you don't understand what watching is and watch it from a spiritual perspective because as you watch from a spiritual perspective your your understanding comes in the form of answers not greater burdens you got me these people who are all upset and oh boy you know you know somebody sent an email recently let's pray for Detroit it's always one day for three hours and we got pastor this that and the other on the right nobody ever prays so them you just overlook people who pray are praying period I'm not I'm not excited to pray about Detroit one day we pray about Detroit all the time been doing it for years now you understand what I'm saying God told us the big three would come down when everybody else thought it was a joke and didn't believe it would happen he told us that would happen you got me and so these things we we uh, are watching over but we're expecting God's outcome amen we're expecting a goodly outcome of these things, you know. And so I hated to see the big three come down just like everybody else. You know what it means. It means, it means loss of employment. It means people not having what they need, so forth and so on. But it was something God warned us about that would happen and we prayed about it then and we still pray about it now that there would be a remedy and a revival in this city whatever God is doing with that event that it would would happen and that God would start to prosper the people again and so in the midst of the big three coming down God told us to tell the people that he heard the sound of abundance of rain coming prosperity was coming they thought that was a joke too because that was when everybody was woe is me and so you have to understand these things folks this isn't playing this isn't make-believe and this isn't something to make us big people in the city because we have a prayer event but this is to uh, allow us the opportunity to identify with the Lord in his role as intercessor and high priest in this church and so when you understand watching you understand why Jesus told them and rebuked them for for sleeping and not staying awake there's a time for sleep and there's a time for being awake the time then they're not simultaneous you know there are people that still go to sleep in church and to me and it's not just because I'm preaching you know I've had some long long sermons to sit through and it wasn't me preaching you understand what I'm saying (laughs) if it's anointed you you can stay awake you know some of them are more anointed than others and some of them just kind of go flat but I managed to stay awake <laughs> you know you fight it as, as a disease and you stay awake <laughs> and you respond you got me you you receive something and so Jesus was telling him there's no time to go to sleep you know this is something I need to get this done Watching would have been a way for them to alert Jesus that his captors were coming. You got me? All of those things are important. This is no time to go to sleep, Peter. 
people who want to uh, sometimes sleep is an escape for people especially if it's at an inappropriate time sometimes people sleep too much they can hide from the world through their drowsiness and their sleep and all that kind of stuff oftentimes a sign of depression is excessive sleep and so there's a spirit of slumber mm-hmm. And it can come on you at an inappropriate time. Can be perverted in that way. And so Jesus is telling the disciples. You've got to learn how to stay awake. You've got to learn how to stay alert. And you've got to learn how to pray. You've got to have a blow by blow. Minute by minute. Hour by hour. Discussion with the Father about what you see. And so he says watch and pray. That you enter not into the hand of the tempter. That you enter not into temptation he says the spirit is always willing he said the spirit indeed is willing he says I feel your spirit I understand you want to do these things even going back to Peter's prior conversation with him Lord you know I'm not going I'm not going to leave you I'm not going to deny you this is spirit it's willing you know spirit is willing it wants to do the right thing but man that flesh get involved in there and it'll shock you some of the things you might do and say because of temptation see the snares of the enemy and so he says the flesh is weak went away a second time and talks to the father and he says nevertheless not my will but yours be done so there's an overriding will of the father that we can all claim now I know it's been perverted to to mean we don't know what the will of God is ever but there is a time where you let the will and decision of God be done. You got me? Especially when you're not sure about what it is. For instance, there are times when people, you're interceding for somebody who's sick and has been sick for a long time. You want to believe for healing and you can continue to stand on that. But you don't run and go, go try to, you know, drag them out to one more treatment or one more this or one more that without knowing the will of God for these things people who have been sick and especially with terminal illness and sometimes uh, you know small children you know they'll they'll get very mature on the inside sometimes and begin to understand life and begin to understand death you know there's so many stories about children that that have had very prolonged diseases and they'll tell the parents well I'm not going to be here next year now oh no don't talk like that no 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 I've already talked to God about it and I'm going to heaven and you know that kind of thing and so these things we have to there's always something in God we don't know you got me and on a minute by minute decision type basis you must leave it up to the will of God and respect the will of God in all things so Jesus says nevertheless not my will but yours be done and so they were back there asleep again and so Jesus went a third time and prayed and then told them you know I'm not going to bother you anymore Uh, my hours come so Jesus had prayed through all of these things didn't need their help anymore so to speak such as it was I put it to you this way (laughs) it probably all got stories remember that night you know Peter was sleeping Jesus probably sitting there chatting with him about it in his resurrection form he said look at you Peter ain't changed a bit got a lot to teach you boy huh 
And so he did. Peter learned many things uh, after he was uh, in his office as a, an apostle. And so <clears throat> anyway, Jesus said, our spirits are willing, but the flesh is weak. And he says, pray, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And what is it? What does he mean by that word temptation? Well, the word to tempt is is part of the part of the word for that is test, and it means a testing either of men or of God to prove or to try somebody. That word also means testing through adversity or difficulty. It means to put to proof, to scrutinize, to try, or to peruse. So it really means somebody inspecting you and somebody challenging either what you say about yourself or who you say you are. This is not the first time they've heard that. In Matthew 6, Jesus taught them how to pray. What we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6 and 13, he says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Or the evil doer. And exalting and declaring God's power and glory forever. So here we have a picture of us being in a position where our spirit feels like Superman. Remember Peter's conversation just a minute before? Hmm. I can do anything. Oh Lord, if they kill me, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to go with you to the death. I'm going to go with you everywhere. The minute somebody looked at him and said, weren't you with him? Cuss that girl out. Huh? Got all them expletives in his conversation in the Bible. Hmm? Nope. See, the flesh is weak. That's what Jesus is telling us. Your flesh can take over at any time. And so you don't want to ask for trouble. You don't want to ask for trial. You're going to get some of it anyway just because of of weak flesh. You got me? You'll get in that anyway. So you ask God to lighten that burden in your life. You got me? You ask God to ease the pressure of the enemy up off you. We always ask for that. Now people think that's not faith. But I'm going to tell you that's smart. Everything that happens to us is always done through God's mercy. The Bible says his mercy endures forever. You realize that if the devil had his way, that little pain that you felt and spoke the word over it would have taken you to the doctor and to the hospital and wound up in a terminal disease And if he had his way. So we're in God's mercy all the time and we're encouraged by Jesus to ask that we not be put into the path 
of testing, trial, temptation into the hand of the enemy. Because your spirit feels like it can handle it. On a good day, even on a bad day. You know, I hear in some of these songs, (laughs) bring it on devil, I'm thinking. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) You know, that kind of stuff. and Nonsense things. Where's the devil? Uh, He's over there leashed up in chains. You really want him? That was my dog. I wouldn't call him. You understand what I'm saying? You get him loose off them chains, and man, he'll tear up. You can look and see see what the devil does just through a simple disagreement sometimes with people. You know, I was uh, uh, an alum of many twelve-step programs. <laughs> some seven, some twelve. I forget. Add them all up is nineteen divided by five. Right? Yeah. <laughs> After a while, you just your life is a series of numbers and steps. And um, so anyway, but there's a woman there who had been. She had uh, been really. She had come a very long way from where she had started out, and so she was in one of the groups I was in, a recovery group. And she said, um, "Well, I used to go, you know, every day." She said, I'd "Find a meeting every day." I, I this was something. She said, "My psychiatrist recommended it." She said, "I had one doctor for 15 years in and out of mental institutions." And she said, I decided to switch. I think a relative or somebody (coughs) told her about this doctor and he encouraged her to go to these groups. She said, and I, she said, I really made tremendous progress. And she said, she said, the thing that, that I couldn't understand when I was sick and when I was constantly going to the, the mental hospital, she says, was, I thought my husband and I were just having an argument or discussion, she said, and I always wound up in a straitjacket in the back of the ambulance, and they'd start an IV and give me antipsychotic medication. She said, but I thought we were just having an argument, you see. And this is what the devil does. He gets you involved in something that looks normal a normal discussion which gets to a disagreement and it gets resolved but hers never got resolved it got escalated to the point where she got out of control he got out of control whoever got to the phone first got the other one locked up you got me this is what the end this is how he operates folks so you don't ever want him to be unleashed on your life you got me so let's not play around here and this super saint stuff we live under the shadow of the almighty if you're doing anything with any sanity any kind of uh, good report any kind of success it's because the hand of God guides you the hand of God leads you he protects you he keeps you you got legions of angels on your side Let's get real here. You don't ever get to the point where you ask God, you tell God it's okay for for the devil to, you know, do whatever he wants to do. Your life is hard enough without that, man. You barely, we barely read enough word to keep, you know what I'm saying. We can't get rid of fleas. Small as they are. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so anyhow, <clears throat> lead us not into temptation, 
comes always that's your cry for mercy that's your cry for keep the devil off me god that's your your cry for uh, i want to lead a normal life without a lot of stress and a lot of lot of headache so lead us not into temptation and you're entitled to that protection because the blood of Jesus has paid for that that's why you plead the blood you want that blood to cover you that's what you you're leaning on is his his finished work there and what you've done what he's done in your stead so you don't have all this nonsense to put up with so anyway <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians 10.13, it tells us there's no trial that's overtaken you. So there's an overtaking sometimes where we are overtaken by the enemy. But God has an answer for that too. Jesus tells us in the world you will have tribulation. You're going to have some trouble. But there are some things that come to you to prove your overcoming ability, not to test you to see if you'll make it through. There's a difference. So trouble comes and we can be of good cheer because he's overcome the world on our behalf. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's not a big deal. Some people get all excited that they can take authority over devils. Or, you know, used to be back in the day, people would run to deliverance churches and deliverance meetings all the time because they thought they'd saw, see some, a sideshow. God's kingdom has never provided entertainment, folks. You got me? He knows we're going to do enough of that on our own. Why does he need to provide something for us that we can't wait to get out of church to get to? Just a thought. He provides help for us. Provides knowledge and wisdom and understanding. That's what you come to church for. You go like a Brother Stones there. Get your entertainment elsewhere. Huh? <laughs> Praise God. First Corinthians 10.13 There is no temptation or test or trial taken you but such as is common to man. So this oh woe is me. I can't take it anymore. I'm tired. Just cut it out. Mm-hmm. That's your flesh trying to get you to succumb. Amen. Lay down and take it. But God's faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted above what you're able. Amen. So nothing that you get involved in is over your head. Amen. Nothing you get involved in is beyond your level either to endure until it passes to bind it, loose the word, to fight it on that level, to wrestle it down, to size. When in doubt, always rebuke the devil. You got me? If you ever want to guess where this came from, uh, just make sure you take authority over him. And release the word into your situation. He will not suffer you to be tempted above what you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. That you may bear it. It's scripture does not say God will not put more on you than you're able to bear. I don't know why people don't read the Bible. But they like quoting other people that didn't read the Bible either. You have a way of escape. So you can ride out the duration of the test. You don't carry burdens. Got me? 
He says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. I do the caring. You don't do any of it. He says, with the trial, he makes a way of escape. It's a shadow of the Almighty. The cleft of the rock, you hide under eagle's wings. And you soar above your trouble. That's your way of escape. Is to run into the spirit. And just sit down and eat a piece of fruit. Eat a bowl of joy. Huh? Fried rice with peace in it. Hmm? Patience. Have a little bit of that. And so God doesn't have you physically tormented, tortured, and upset about things. Even though it's a testing of your faith. He's already prayed for you. Your faith won't fail. Your faith will hold up. And then he provides a refuge and a way of escape so that you're able to bear it. Or, or to, to endure. More is, more is a word. It's not carry. It's more of endure. Just stand your ground until your answer comes. That's all that means. And don't waver and don't be moved by anything. So God's provided for that for us. These things are common to man. In Galatians 4.4 4, Paul said that he, was, he had a temptation or a test. It was in his flesh. So he had a physical condition that didn't go away right away. How many of us are winting? For different things. And so you you can went because you have a way of escape. So that you can still function and be normal even though this thing is not totally gone. So that's what God provides for us. And it's like normal living but it's supernatural. It's like everything's everything that's wrong with a saint is on the level of either a cold or a flu or something like that that's going to pass at a certain point. Nothing's ever terminal for us. Amen. He said none of these diseases the diseases are for sinners, not for saints. They can be disease free if they'll get saved and believe God. Yeah, I prayed for people for years that weren't saved. And they got the benefit of the prayers. And a neighbor, she had four Pomeranians. One of them was sick and they were giving it chemotherapy. And I prayed for her dog. Her dog lived. Mine didn't. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, come on now. And so and they were no more close to God than anything. Got closer through my prayers. But God does things after the counsel of his own will. You got me? It's, it's his will that has to be done. So Paul's temptations or testing was in his flesh. Uh, and, and he endured that. He had a situation where a messenger from Satan met him everywhere he went. We saw one of them, the girl with the spirit of divination. Everywhere he went, somebody wanted to kill him or, you know, something like that. And he begged God several times for it to leave. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. And I think we all can learn from that. Grace of God is for, sufficient for us to endure anything. There are people in prison that are innocent there innocently just waiting waiting and waiting and waiting some of them have, have been waiting for technology can you imagine waiting for a test that's never been developed yet but when it comes it gets you out of jail whoever would have thought they were waiting for technology see sometimes they think they're waiting on man to believe them in a parole hearing 
sometimes you have to wait on technology but it'll get there and get there at the right time so God's good amen and and he won't allow us to endure beyond what we're able what you're going through ain't gonna kill you the devil just wants you to think it it will you know so you can suicide or you could do something stupid or you can give up huh the only thing it's killing is your flesh it's conforming you more to the image of christ that's the good part about it if he knew that was what he was doing every time but see the devil can't help himself you know he's like a a a, a kid in a candy store where the doors nobody's there in minding the store you know just can't help itself i remember one thanksgiving <clears throat> i was we were uh at shirley's this when when uh, my husband was alive and we lived in detroit we had gone down for thanksgiving and so she had a baker's rack uh, that she usually kept tchotchkes and stuff on and you know that kind of stuff and so we decided well we'll put the baked goods on there we'll make a dessert rack out of it of course we put it down on a a lower level a sweet potato pie and Todd was her dog was roaming around and the poor thing I guess he walked past that sweet potato pie all day long and at one point, he just couldn't stop sniffing. He just had to. So we looked. There was a big hole in it where he licked it. He didn't try to eat the whole thing. He just restrained itself, you know. Right. Well, that's what the devil's like. When he sees us, he sees us vulnerable. Trust me, he wants to uh, tear into us like nothing. He just keeps coming once he gets started. So. So we have to understand that his activities against us are greatly restrained. That's why we need to be of good cheer and rejoice. Because no matter how bad it is, it could be worse. No matter how long it lasts, it could be longer if it weren't for the merciful hand of God. And so <clears throat> many times we're tempted. Jesus was tempted to let this cup pass from him. A, a cup of that was once it's filled, uh, then uh, you know his work is fulfilled. And so what it meant for him as far as bearing that burden got to be heavy for him. And so when it's heavy, you cry out to God the Father for relief and he he was relieved where he was able to see himself through it and says nevertheless not my will but yours be done and so we have this as record and evidence that he actually took the sins of the world upon his soul that gives us great comfort comfort because we can exchange places with that now we know it was carried it was paid already so devil you're not making me depressed already today because Jesus already took that burden upon himself he paid for that the thorns on his his skull and that blood was shed to pay for your mind anybody who's got problems in their mind blood was shed for you to pay for your mind can be in your right mind i i remember a woman that that was uh in a, a mental hospital and and she was a relative of uh, a, a friend of mine uh, she went to a church and she told her pastor about it her pastor was a graduate of rama at the time and and you know rama people they all want to get out and heal everybody which is good you know brother hagan did a good job of putting faith in people and, and not restraining them allowing them to go forth especially if they were called to the ministry get out and do the works of God I remember someone uh, some Ramah students had 
gone and tried to raise somebody from the dead couldn't do it and all the other students laughed at him and brother Hagen rebuked them all he said well at least they're out there trying when brother Hagen said something like that conviction fell on everybody there you know so you just have to understand these things are in people's hearts but anyway his pastor prayed went to the Lord and said well Lord I just feel I want to go and help this lady and the Lord said go and serve her communion and in a communion is the exchange see that's where we take on the body and blood of the Lord and we release our weak flesh and our weak blood and all of that's weak about us we lay it down at that table we take on his strength share communion with that lady she was in her right mind and they let her out of the hospital this has happened not just once but several people have that testimony of helping people like that the you know gathering demoniac uh, had his encounter with jesus and he left him in his right mind and so these things are are doable as far as the anointing and as far as faith in god is concerned and so <clears throat> jesus released that uh, he took on that burden it was released to the father and uh, he was able to pick up the father's will and endure Revelations 3.10 says that God will keep us in the hour of temptation because we keep his word. Isn't that something? You just get obedient to God and he'll keep you through being tested. One of the things that people get confused about is something a test or is it an opportunity to use your faith? In 1 Corinthians 16, and just to let you know that sometimes they can look like the same thing. 1 Corinthians 16.9, Paul says, For a great door and an effectual one is open to me, and there are many adversaries. So an open door from God will sometimes draw adversaries to the door to keep you from going through anytime God opens a door for you to prosper to increase to bless to help to minister their adversaries at that door now some people think the adversaries need to be listened to and believed because the adversaries always start out as voices God will open a door you've been praying for God to give you a job and so and so and such and such and in three days you get word of something well, I don't know if that's God or not see that's coming from the adversaries at the gate of opportunity in your brain it sounds legitimate to us because that's our voice we talked about the haters at the gates that always speak to us been speaking to us all of our lives and it sounds reasonable because it's our voice or the voice of our conscience or the voice of our mind coming to us to minister to us what you have to look at is if it is an open door what harm could it do going through it 
See, that's where boldness needs to take over. And so that's what you ask God for. God, I believe this door is for you. Give me the boldness to get past the adversary in my mind that's telling me it's not for me. This is too quick. God doesn't work that fast. You got to fast. Look how fast. You got to pray some more. You got to fast some more. Look at you sitting up there eating three hamburgers at one time and enjoying them too, devil. And devil, give me a napkin and a Coke, a diet Coke while you're at it. <laughs> to go with my three three hamburgers one sitting a piece of pound cake right <laughs> got me adversaries some of them are so bad once you go through the door they follow you through the door and try to teach you how to mess it up on the other side of the door this happens to many people a lot of people have boldness to talk themselves into a good job and when they get in there well look he don't like you or oh, you gonna get fired because look you did look what you did wrong and he gonna go tell the boss on you and they gonna get you know you're the last person last man hired first man fired you're on your way out the door now brother you know what's wrong in that situation people don't do their due diligence and that is renew your mind in the word of God. Act like that job belongs to you. Think like that job. You need to own that thing with your mind. Instead of running around carnal minded. Carnal minded people perceive God too much on a feeling level and not on a fellowship level. Can I say that? We experience God when we worship. We feel the presence and get yup, yep, 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 jump around, and then we go to sleep the rest of the meeting. You understand what I'm saying? You don't feel Him. You don't relate to Him in a fellowshipping manner. It's only a feeling. Like Paul said, you are yet carnal. See what I'm saying? You have to renew your mind to who you are. If God calls you prosperous, you got to put that. You can't just have it in your heart. You got to have it in your mind. You got to have it all over you. You can't just have it in one place and and think you're going to bluff your way through the rest of it. Because the devil will strip you naked. You'll come right to the point of getting, uh, 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 you know, getting vested retirement or you understand what I'm saying or something big like that. And then he's able to talk you down from that because you haven't done what you're supposed to do and renew your mind so that you believe and think every day like a prosperous person. See, that's how the sinner gets a promotion and we're left, you know, holding the bag. Because the sinner has confidence. He thinks prosperous all the time. And the adversary helps him somewhat because there are some sinners that the devil lays off of at certain points. Especially if he can push them ahead of a saint. He can give him an easy way and let you have difficulty all the time. Because he knows he can strip something from you. That's why, that's why tithers always keep jobs. And always get promoted. You know why? Because you're always invested and banked in God. See, you're you're committed to God through through the fruits of your labor. And so if you're faithful there, he's not gonna let the devil that that's why he say I rebuke the devourer. A lot of these adversaries that will follow you into the workplace and make it hard for you, they it doesn't happen if you're a tither. 
You get that assurance. That's your insurance policy. Yep, I'm going to be here and I'm going to retire from here and I'm going to have a long life in this job. You have, That's your assurance right there. You can get that. You have to worry about these people. People who have trouble on the job, they have it because they're not givers. Sinners come up in your face all the time trying to provoke you, trying to tell you, you know, all that. You don't have that if you're a tither. You don't. God rebukes that out of your life. So you're going to have a hard time. If you don't trust God with your job, you may not have it very long. Just if you don't trust him with your money, you need that assurance. need that assurance. There have been a lot of people that come to the brink of retirement and lose it. Get demoted, all that kind of stuff, because they don't give in in giving under trial. You know, if your wages get cut, are you still going to give a tenth to God? You know, that kind of stuff that has to be proven as well. So, God will help us in these things, but you need to know that there are adversaries at every door of opportunity. Every time you're ready to move from one level to another. Why? Because you're dislodging them from their position. That's what happens when a saint gets promoted. The guy who, the, the strong man who's holding that down gets knocked off because of the anointing of God and the Word of God gets established there. Now, if you're a sinner and you get promoted, he doesn't get knocked off. Which means the devil promoted you and the devil can demote you anytime he wants. So you're still under his kingdom authority. But when a saint gets promoted, he gets knocked off that spot. So we get an opportunity to rule and reign from there. So the first thing you do is find more Christians that you can promote and put in good jobs. You see what I'm saying? That's how you do that. That's what it's there for. You pray and you ask God. And he'll promote you. That... um, uh, um, the Hawthorne where we stay for the conferences the gentleman that was the housekeeping supervisor I say was um, is a Christian he's been there maybe like 18 months he's already um, moved up to sales associate you know he came in there and it was a hard job a tough go- job but he hires more Christians than anybody else everybody said oh yeah you met sister so-and-so yes she's a good a good woman of god you know that's how he introduces you to people oh she's a saint oh yeah 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 oh she got evangelists in her family just finds people in his church that he can get employment opportunities tell them you come in fill an application and you know put it in there and when it comes their time he'll he'll get them in there and god's promoted him already now there's a nice lady that worked there for many years. Couldn't get into the sales. She did every job around there and did it faithfully. But you got to look at one of two things. Number one, did prayer and commitment to God get them there? Okay. What is their personal relationship with God? Now I'm not saying that his is, is, you know, I don't know anything about it, but the fruit bears out what he's doing. See, adversaries, and his health isn't good either. You know, I mean, his health is very fragile. He's got a pacemaker, some other things like that. But God still promotes him. Spirit willing, flesh weak. He's got weak flesh, folks. But the overriding strength of his spirit carries him through. Don't ever underestimate that. Don't ever underestimate the strength of your spirit and your relationship with God. God's proving some things through us. So... 
all of these adversaries at the door open door attracts adversaries like flies and you notice adversaries are many M-A-N-Y not just one oh, I fight this devil I'm in there like swim bear no you he <laughs> may be out <laughs> I'm scared of y'all so, so you, you really have to understand that's what watching is for watch as well as pray that you don't allow the enemy to get an advantage over you you don't want that to happen and so you watch these things I'm not talking about watch fearful I'm talking watch spiritual paranoid people watch everything you know I mean there's nothing's right they get ideas everything's related to them somehow uh, did you see that? I don't know. She put that there. She's telling me. I mean, she don't like me. I can tell she don't like me because she did that. She just walked in here. Like you walked in here. She walking in and she don't like you walking in. I don't get it. I don't get it. See, you. this is for people who are beyond themselves. If you're self-conscious and you're self-preserving and you're concerned about you, this is not going to work too well for you. You got to get over yourself. You got to get over the fear of of people whatever. It's always a vague fear. It's never anything people can really do to you. It's always this this uh spirit that comes upon you in the presence of certain people or when you think about certain people. And we need to get them devils gone out of our lives. The Bible says if your ways please God, he'll make you be at peace with your enemies. My goodness, how how big of a word do you have to have from God to just let that settle you and get beyond people? Now, some people release this thing in their lives. And this is what you have to be careful of also. Sometimes we don't know how to settle it in our hearts. How to love people. And and so we live on pins and needles around people that somehow we, they just don't grab us right. You got me? Sometimes, did you know that sometimes you may be too much work for people? <laughs> You know, this is a church. It's not really a marriage, like marriage or marriage. That's why he got his chair. You know, the first thing men get when they married is a recliner. The seat's one. My chair. And I got my gun right here. That's that's the remote. And shoot anybody come. They kind of hold it like a pistol, you know. <laughs> yep. One per television. Uh, I've never seen a TV that comes with two remotes that work on it. I didn't try it. <laughs> Yep. They get that one. Yeah. They map out their little territory, see? Yeah. Just just in case it gets to be too much work. Yeah. Yeah. 
to share that what it, they call it a love seat that's the least sat on piece of furniture in everybody's house <laughs> you can buy them used and they almost in new condition yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. I don't know why they sell them sofa and love seat now just give me that recliner over there this is beyond love this is this is about survival up in here it's about getting along till midnight huh? <laughs> where was I y'all remember y'all got my mind messed up in that stuff praise the lord alright so are we talking about <laughs> oh yeah 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 and and you know people really are a lot of work sometimes i mean if people really were to to conform to what you feel is somebody you like that's a lot of work for them too much so god summed it up this way shut up you love her you love her you love him you all y'all y'all love each other that's a commandment because I'm not changing their bad habits to please you and I'm not changing yours to please them and quit witchcrafting on people it's not your job to cause people to conform to your standards so that you can like them or you can get along with them you've got to love them regardless got me (laughs) people Everybody's always pulling some little witchcraft on each other. Hmm? Well, you've changed. You have too. Huh? I'm not on trial to conform to what you like. Hmm? You're not on trial to conform to what I like. We're committed to love one another. That goes way beyond your behavior. Hmm? That goes way beyond your behavior and mine too. You don't know what people are up against in their life. Huh? That's when God knows. That's why he gives us mercy. And he commands that we be merciful Amen. to one another. Tender hearted. Loving toward one another. Just as your God in heaven loves you. We're to conform to his image. Not make others conform to what we like today. Because tomorrow you're going to like something different. Hmm? It's like the chameleon commercial. The chameleons buying paint. Every time they're stepping on the paint samples, and the chameleon stepping on them turns the different colors. Well, Frank, I think I like this color. Well, I, what should we do it in? And every time he, she steps on one, she turns a different color. So finally, she steps on one, and Frank goes, Yowza. <laughs> He likes that one. <laughs> God didn't make us like that. You don't have to change a different color every day for me to like you. In fact, I don't have to like you. I must love you. Love's a lot better for all of us, folks. Like is momentary. Depends on the mood everybody's in. And so God has called us and commanded us to love. You know what that means? That means love is a spirit that he's put inside you that you shed toward people. It's not a mental judgment that you like them or not. That's too much work. God shortcuts it and says, "Uh uh-uh, you dig in there and you find love and you shed it out toward them. 
And if you don't know how to find it, you ask me and I'll teach you. He always teaches us. So that's a good thing. <clears throat> so, when God, when we get into situations that we don't want to be led into temptation, you need strength to walk in God. That's what your answer is. To uh, put your petition before God and then in your relationship with God, you need strength to walk in the ways of God and not be overcome by the works of the enemy. So in Psalms 23, this is what you request God to do for you. Psalm 23. If you're under the good shepherd, that's you, you, you need to seek to be in the will of God. Don't be one of these people that plays on the outskirts all the time. You should desire to be in the center of his will. He says, he restoreth my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness. How does he lead you? Through your restored soul. See, if your soul's not restored, God will tell you to do something. You fight it. Hmm? Your carnal mind's the enemy of God. It can't get along get along with God or do what God says has be converted. And so when your soul's restored, your soul's converted to the word. You think like God, you think the word. When something comes up in your life that's against you and contrary to uh your well being or your peace In a restored soul, the word comes and pops up in your mind. You don't get a thousand different nervous answers for one one problem. That's never God. See, the word should come. Then somebody has to slap you three times and speak the word to you to remind you who you are. See, that should be automatic for us as believers. I mean, there are some things that will stump everybody. But for the most part, the word should be very close to you in your relationship with God every day. You go to the word, you get your answer from God, and you meditate on that until it sinks in and you get peace about it. You just go grab it as a scripture. But you know, the one minute, I hate those things. I really do. A one minute Bible. One minute with God. One minute. You got to give, you don't give, you give your dog, you give your goldfish more than a minute. And goldfish eat fast. I know because I got them living upstairs from me. They sit there all day. Oh, man. Brother, you using most of your energy looking for imaginary food. Ain't none coming right now. Jeez. But they they on the ready 24-7. I hear a little noise. Sometimes it gets real quiet. And you hear a little noise up there. I said, what's that right That's the goldfishes. Woo! Give me a break. But I mean, they eat so fast, but it takes them more than a minute to get them fed. You got to give God, he's not a goldfish. He's God. He's your very life. The source of your life. So he leads us in paths of righteousness. Right stuff will happen. It's the right way to go. It may seem a little treacherous to you sometimes, but right will come of it because it's the right thing. Many times it's contrary to what our flesh dictates and what our flesh wants. Your flesh wants a free ride 
in a chariot lined with velvet. Huh? And and six hard bodies carrying it. Male or female. Whatever your flavor. Feeding you grapes. Huh? Somebody fanning you. That's what your flesh wants. And so if you're if you're crying out because it's time is involved or it seems too hard, that's going to happen, folks, until you get accustomed to the path of righteousness. It's not a path that you you flesh your way through. It's a path that you abide in the presence of God. And when you look up, you're at the end of the path and he's done all that fighting for you. All you did was speak the word and kept yourself encouraged as you went through it. And at the end of it, it's it's the manifestation of what God's promised you. It's not going to kill you to trust God. In fact, it's very, to me, it's very simple. The only thing that you have to do is guard your flesh wanting to overtake you and not let you make it through to the end. This is an endurance thing. Hmm? It's an endurance thing. So, and in really though, in avoiding trial and in overcoming adversity, you need wisdom. Wisdom is the the thing that God feeds us on a very free basis, but it's the thing that's most rarely displayed and demonstrated in human beings. For the most part, we demonstrate a lack of wisdom. Wisdom will help you to avoid uh, a test tube life. You know, like everything's a gamble and everything's a trial and everything's trial and error type thing. Wisdom will help you help you to avoid that. All you got to do is understand the voice of wisdom, make it your friend, listen to it continually, and not want to get any big ideas. In Proverbs chapter 8, that's a great wisdom chapter, 8 and the following, it starts basically in 8. Gives you one characteristic of wisdom here. Does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? Wisdom is yelling at us all the time. He says she stands in the top of high places by the way of places of paths. So all around us is wisdom. All around us is a voice of wisdom. She cries at the gates. At the entering end of the city, at the coming of the doors. So everywhere there's an opportunity and an open door and a threshold, wisdom is there. Not just the adversaries, but wisdom. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. So I speak to men from generation to generation. I never change. O ye simple, understand wisdom. And ye fools, be of an understanding heart. So wisdom is able to to convert you from fool to wise and from simple to wise. Hear and I will speak of excellent things. Well, there's a problem right there. Some people don't want to hear excellent things. Excellent really means that the standard is going to be higher. It's going to set the bar higher for you. Most people want it lowered so they don't have to do much to get what they need. And the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth. 
and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. So wisdom will always bear truth and with be, be without evil and without wickedness. You, In other words, you can trust wisdom. And that's why many people are suspicious of wisdom. Because in your carnal thinking, you trust nonsense more than more than wisdom. Most human minds do. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness and there's nothing forward or perverse in them. So if somebody tells you God said so and so and such and such, it's got to line up with wisdom. Easy to be entreated, a good fruit, that kind of thing. It can't be anything stupid, wicked, evil. Hmm? Like people who will give over their life savings to somebody. They'll say, well, I need to put this money in, in my bank for three days. And at, you know, at the end of three days, I'll bring you so-and-so. I'll get it transferred to your bank. Those people always lose. Does that sound wise to you? You know, if somebody's really going to help you, why you got to use my money to help me? I already got my money. Where's yours? <laughs> He says, they're all, mob words are all plain to him that understands and right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction. It's another w- reason wisdom is not appreciated. It always has a to-do on your part involved in it. There's something you must do. Wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be desired <clears throat> will not compare with it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. To find out knowledge of witty inventions. People who are accustomed to the voice of wisdom. Who have a liking for it. Who have an ear for it. Will always be creative people. They will always be energetic people. There will be the people who will get the next great invention in life. Who will you, you always saw this back in the day. The people, the inventors were always Christian people or Jewish people grew up in God-fearing families and households. Why? Because wisdom was taught to them through the principles and the precepts of the word of God. They had the word of God was the, the rule in the school system. So much they depended upon it. That that the it was the law in the school systems. They had Bibles in there. They read Bibles. Why? Because they knew wisdom would come with that. Now they threw God out, and they got to have you know. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. You could go through a list of things that are problems in schools now. Discipline being number one, and they're scared. The reason they don't hit kids, they scared of getting hit back. Because when I was going to school, you whacked a kid, you told the parent you got whacked when you got home. Because you, everybody, that was wisdom. Discipline and authority were consistent throughout your life. Now that we've got inconsistent discipline and authority, it doesn't work anymore. See, it can only work if everybody's together on it. That's number one lack of wisdom. In verse 16, that's where I want to go to. Where do I want to go to? Proverbs 8. I'm sorry, 14. He says, counsel is mine, sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. When you get wisdom, you get strength. Wisdom will never tell you to do something and not give you the ability to carry it out. 
Wisdom is doable. It gives you something that's doable. When you get counseled, you know, by somebody who's a minister or somebody like that, they will give you things to do that you can do. You don't feel like you can do them. We'll say, listen to this healing tape till you're healed. That's doable. If a doctor can tell you to take pills until they're all gone, we can tell you to take the medicine of the word. Well, how long do I have to do? I told you till you're healed. How long is that? I don't know. That's up to God. I know this will heal you. Very few people will do it. Very few people. Because it's too hard for them. See, they're not accustomed to the sound of wisdom. That's why when you give people the word, they argue with you. Because the carnal thoughts aren't wise thoughts. And they'd rather hear something carnal and crazy than to hear something wise. That's why people who are good Christian ministers who are good what they call fundraisers or money raisers don't use wisdom to do it. They pervert the wisdom of God. They'll always get you on some emotional plane. They lose wisdom. They step off of wisdom. They step off the word. And then they step on emotion. And that's where the money comes in. You take money out of your church that feeds you weekly. To sow an emergency seed. Because they tell you this. If you sow uh, uh, $81. God's going to bless you for 81 81 You know that kind of stuff. Now at some point it's a word of knowledge that came to somebody. But it's not working to, for every after a while it's religion. It's not a word of knowledge that God's going to bless. And so we got all these people sending in their emergency seed. And very few of them get anything. Because they're doing it on an emotional level. Wisdom is not emotional. There's strength in wisdom. Emotion peters out after a while. After a while you get sick of arguing. You get tired of screaming. You get tired of running around. You get tired of everything. But wisdom will allow a person to be able to follow through. Sometimes all you have to do is tell a person to put add faith to what you're already doing. See? That's counsel right there. Gary could see that's all God told him to do. He was doing all the right things. He wasn't doing it in faith. He wasn't doing it trusting God. He wasn't doing it in line with the word. And so many times the instructions of wisdom are very, very simple. But we don't want to keep them because carnal mindedness kicks it out. Never sounds right. Spitting and making mud and putting it on somebody's eyes. That was a word of wisdom for Jesus to get that man healed. That's right. huh? Pharisees went. <gasps> and on top of that, he calls himself God. You know, that kind of stuff. They just add up your demerits. <laughs> so they can accuse you of things. It's never wisdom. Wisdom it works with the mind of God, which is so much higher than our minds. But God will share a portion of his mind with us through the word of wisdom. And so when we are, are in a trial, wisdom will be your greatest friend. Why don't we stop here and we'll pick up later. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word and for faith and encouragement that comes with your word. We thank you, Father, that we know Our spirits are willing to do the will of God, which is a blessing that you've given us.
But Father, the flesh will hinder us if we don't know how to put it before you and, and move with you. So we thank you, Father, for blessing us to know the voice of wisdom in a great way. We love you and we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>